0: On this episode of Why Watch That.
1: You know, now it isn't like, you know, I don't know, uh, anybody's gonna start singing My Little Buttercup, okay? It's not Three Amigos. Do you know that movie, producer? I do. Oh my gosh. My <laughs> Little Buttercup has the sweetest smile. Now imagine that you are in a bunker and you are called from this bunker to your superiors in the midst of all kinds of bullets flying. And when you arrive, who's there?
2: Jinky, what a cold burr.
1: This is Hannah's ex-husband, who was a Green Beret and who is mentally unstable, has committed crimes, is a dangerous person, he's gotten the daughter. Uh Uh-oh. And one of his lines, like his code, you know, don't kill children, he literally says, I've done crazy things but you don't hurt children. (laughs) (laughs) Some people think acting is about emoting. It is not. Emotions are the result of going after something. As an actor, you look at the script, you go, what does this character want? I need to go get it. Whatever comes of that is great. And Anna epitomizes that, playing Marilyn. Is she the perfect Marilyn Monroe? No, she's right. One line where she literally says, "I belong to a national network of guidance counselors." <laughs> this is how we're gonna crack the case.
2: <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: I was just thinking, it was so nice to see a different planet, different places other than Tatooine. If I see Tatooine one more time in these Star Wars shows, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Glad it wasn't here. Welcome to Why Watch That, your guide to the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. We're on a quest to go from channel to channel, platform to platform, and festival to festival to help you figure out what you want to watch. We do all the work so you don't have to. So get ready for some unexpectedly candid and entertaining reviews that will help you answer the ultimate question, why watch that?
2: Welcome to another episode of why watch that I am Brandy, the producer joined by
1: Chauncey, the critic.
2: And um, if you haven't heard, we are now on video. If you're not watching us on YouTube and you are listening to us on um, one of the many audio platforms that we exist on and you want to see what we look like, check us out on YouTube, um, what is it youtube.com forward slash why watch that or just put why watch that in the browser you'll find all of the episodes there along with other stuff that's like cut up and made simple for your viewing and figuring out what to watch pleasure so
1: yeah and the website don't forget that producer yes, why watch John, that yes. Dot com.
2: yes yes the owned media this is this is why we pay credit to big bucks he remembers our own media um so <laughs> So we're going to move into our first category for the day, which is movie sneak peeks. Uh, And the sneak peek that we're kicking off this category with, Dead for a Dollar. Dead for a Dollar releases in theaters Friday, September the 30th. So critic, what is Dead for a Dollar? What is it about?
0: And um, who should be watching this intriguing sneak peek?
1: What do you think it's about? just just based on the title.
2: Based off of the title, I am thinking that somebody walked up to somebody on the street and asked them for a dollar, right? At that same moment when they were asking somebody for a dollar, there was somebody else running down the street with a gun who attempted to shoot someone else. And in like just by mistake because of how bullets go, this personal stop for the dollar got shot instead. And then it's now, the story of how we try got Try all
1: hit. of that again mm-hmm. and tell us a story that would actually be produced. <laughs> like, I mean, my goodness. <laughs> <Therefore>, <laughs> <fantasy>. <laughs> that could happen,
2: okay? Um.
1: Not in Hollywood or anything adjacent.
2: All right, so I'm thinking Dead Four Dollars more than likely um, about the journey of somebody who was, like, working really, really hard, and they, like, you know, they're working themselves to No,
1: them. no, no, let me stop. No, my goodness. You know what? It's a Western. Of course it is.
2: Where are you getting this? Dead for a Dollar. Come on, now, these This die. is not
1: produced by 50 Cent. Okay, this is like <laughs> it is not contemporary. It is a western. I just wanted to hear you wind off on that title. Thank you for that, producer. We do appreciate it. So, before I get further into what this western is, it is written and directed by Walter Hill. A story by him and Matt Harris. It's starring Christoph Waltz, Willem Dafoe, Rachel Brosnahan, uh, Benjamin Brad is in it. Brandon Scott. And Warren Burke. So, you know, let's all erase our memories of what the producer just said there. Even though, producer, I think stars may be looking uh, for you for some guidance. They might need some new ideas. I love it. Okay. But here we're, we're in June of 1897 in Albuquerque in New Mexico Territory. And somebody's in prison. That somebody's played by Willem Dafoe, Joe Cribbins. And Joe Cribbins was put into prison by a bounty hunter played by Christoph. His name is Max Borland. So really there are different showdowns that are set up early on, and then they kind of it as you move forward. So one of them is between Max, of course, and Joe. You know, Max goes and visits Joe. And Joe is like, I'm about to get out. Max is like, you better not come for me. Joe is like, as long as you stay out of my path, I'm staying out of yours. Otherwise, now, of course, both of them are good shots, but who's better? And, of course, that's going to be addressed by the end of the movie. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, he, and by he, I mean Joe, is headed south to Mexico. He's done with the states. Now, there's also Borland, the bounty hunter. And his partner in crime, a buffalo soldier by the name of Sergeant Poe, they're on the hunt for another buffalo soldier, Private Elijah Jones. Okay. Now, Elijah deserted the army and supposedly abducted a white woman. Married. Her name is Rachel. Played by Rachel. Brosnahan. Uh-oh. So supposedly he abducted her, wants some money. And where are they? Mexico. Mm -hmm. Now there's also Orland and Sergeant Poe again, versus a Mexican posse led by the leader who goes by the name Tiberio Vargas. And Tiberio is played by Benjamin Bratt. You know, now it isn't like I don't know uh, anybody's going to start singing "My Little Buttercup." Okay, it's not Three Amigos. Do you know that movie, producer? I do. Oh, my gosh. My (laughs) little buttercup has the sweetest smile. Dear little buttercup, won't you stay a while? (laughs) None of that. So El Guapo is not here. It's Benjamin Brad. So they're going to have to contend with him. Now, complicating things even further, Rachel and uh, Elijah are holed up in a home in Mexico that's owned by Hannon, a white man. And by the way, Buffalo Soldiers, if you don't know, are black, so all of this plays a role. So there holed up, what is going on among the three of them in this house? Because Vargas plays a role in that relationship as well that I won't give away. And really all roads lead to Mexico here. All roads lead through Vargas as the characters meet in unexpected ways. So there you go. And you know you're gonna get the shootouts and everything else. You know, is Rachel really has she really been abducted? Because her husband is the one that's like, look, my wife is missing. You gotta go find her. Um, and you gotta do it surreptitiously because I don't wanna ruin her relationship and really my relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm. so you can imagine where this is going to go now this sounds to me producer just the the whole premise of it sounds like something that quentin tarantino would do or the coen brothers right you start thinking of Django unchained or Mm -hmm. the hateful eight from quentin you start thinking about true grit and the battle of buster scruggs from the coen brothers that kind of thing where you have from tarantino his sensibility which picks it up or the coen brothers their touch like that comedic kind of touch.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Here, I think it needed something like that. It mm-hmm. didn't have it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a glimpse of that in the moment I'm about to say. So there's a moment where Borland and Poe reach Rachel and Elijah, of course, take him away from Hannon. They use force. Afterward, Rachel and Borland have this exchange. So she starts by saying, when you killed Mr. Hannon back in his cabin, mm-hmm, he goes, your bullets miss my head by inches. Mm-hmm. You're that confident in your marksmanship. No. <laughs> I mean that like <laughs> silence. Like that is more of what I wanted oh. throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. There was also the scene at the poker table between uh Willem's character and this guy who's the Englishman who's in the service of Vargas. And so they have this whole, you know, thing where they're playing cards. There's danger behind it because money's on the table, that kind of thing. Like that was more of the spice that I wanted. Uh, So without that, it's competently made. It features a good cast, but it's just lacking in the right amount of panache to make it essential. So what I would say is if you wish they would bring back Saturday Westerns, Remember those producers when they used to have restaurants on do. Those Saturdays? <laughs> yes. Yeah. My father and grandfather would watch that stuff. Yes. So if you're longing for that, I would <laughs> say this is for you. It's not bad. Um, but as usual, it could use a bit more stringent editing. Mm, got it. Okay, cool. Yes. So let's
2: see if... um
1: You and I... A of if, again. Here we go Bring it home um, So uh,
2: Let's see if uh, the greatest Beer run ever Has the pizzazz that um, The critic is referring His to ass. That's also <laughs> Coming to us Friday September 30th uh, Apple TV Plus Will be hosting this uh, extravaganza So Critic <laughs> What is this about? Who's headed? Who should
1: be watching? Wow. So it is uh, co-written and directed by Peter Farrelly. Yes, of the Farrelly brothers mm-hmm. who did Dumb and Dumber and so on. Uh, he co-wrote it with Brian Curry and Pete Jones. So he's not working with his brother here. It is based on Joanna Malloy's uh, basically telling of this story I'm about to get to. So it is based on a true story about John Chickie Donahue. Playing him is Zach Efron. Uh, Russell Crowe is also in it, along with Bill Murray and a bunch of other people. So already you might be going, wait a minute, Zach Efron with Russell Crowe and Bill Murray. Hmm. So in this movie, it is the Vietnam era. And uh, we are in the States at the moment and in a particular neighborhood at the top of Manhattan called Inwood. That's where Chicky lives. And, you know, he goes to the local bar and he has friends there. And they have a lot of friends who are at in the war, who've been drafted. Mm. Now, his sister is anti-war, which mm. upsets Chicky. Mm. Chicky thinks, why are you disrespecting these guys? What happens when they come back home? Is this the kind of reception they should get? Chicky's father is looking at him going, you need to do something. Get out of this house. Stop sleeping until noon and so on. Now, Chicky was a merchant Marine, so he looks at his father and goes, I do work. I'm just off right now. It's that kind of dynamic. Mom is there to referee and grandma is also there silently paying attention. So that's their dynamic. And at the bar, the bartender is played by Bill Murray. Now, what happens is there comes to be a reason why Chicky decides he should go to Vietnam to cheer up his pals. Somebody plants this in his head or kind of eggs him on. I won't give that away. And his idea is, let me bring them some beers from good old Inwood. They've got to be missing it. I'll go to all my buddies in the theater of war (laughs) and give them a beer. He has this duffel bag in tow. Now, how is he going to get to Vietnam? And then how does he actually get to some of these places? You can't just walk there. Right. Yeah. So remember, though, he is a merchant marine. So he gets on a boat arrives at Vietnam and when he's there he gets to this other kind of bar where all of the western reporters they just sit and chat and so on so he's there and he's not really feeling what they have to say about the war and they look at him and go uh there's no way you're going to get to these places to give these beers away first <laughs> of all you're crazy second of all it's not going to happen we can't even get to some of these places mm-hmm. and one of these reporters is played by Russell Crowe. Now, of course, Chickie does get to these people, or why would we have this movie? There would be no reason to tell the story. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, he, while a merchant marine, and he was in the army and so on, he has never been in war. And he is a civilian. Mm -hmm. But who might look like a civilian, but actually have the aegis of the American government? and would be able to get into the theater of war if they want to what kind of people would they be well he's mistaken for this Mm -hmm. which allows him to like charter helicopters into places and so on and the question is when he gets to each of these buddies first of all who's still alive you know that that was one of the reasons why he went i mean because after people found out in the neighborhood that he was going they were like hey Can you take this rosary to my son, you know, bring this to my brother and so on? So he has this kind of weight on him. So when he gets to each of the guys, what's their reaction to him? Now, imagine that you are in a bunker. And you are called from this bunker to your superiors in the midst of all kinds of bullets flying. And when you arrive, who's there?
0: i What a cold bird
1: so you you see how he goes through vietnam saigon and otherwise and how he gets out and is this a success or not is the question
0: mm-hmm.
1: now you do have the inwood dialect on full display like mm-hmm. it's a lot of that flying around okay especially mm-hmm. in you know the 60s mm-hmm. or 70s whenever this was so all of that is flying around so that adds something I would say. Uh, but the writing, if we go to that, it's we just need more insight, please. A little more specificity here. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to be funny, Mr. Farrelly, or do you want to be serious? I wasn't quite sure all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, when Chickie's at home and he begins to concoct this plan, it I wanted it to be more like the tender bar of last year with Ben Affleck, where he's the tender of the bar and that kind of thing. It had heart to it. This is hollow. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to start there and care. Uh, And then when they philosophize about the war, the writing was a bit insipid. I do have to say it it just didn't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, when he finally gets into a bunker with the second friend he meets, uh, Rick Dugan, it does momentarily become the movie it should be, in my opinion, because it's grounded in in the reality of the situation. Like then we start going, okay, yeah, we can take this seriously things start to dawn on Chicky about what he's really gotten himself into. There's another moment when he's in the helicopter with a certain person that he's mistaken for. That was probably the best encapsulation of what this could be, because it was a combination of the harshness of war butting up against Chicky's naivete. And it was done in a matter-of-fact way. Like something happens, you go, whoa, no music, no comment, nothing. It could have worked better as that kind of film, but I don't think Farrelly was clear enough on his approach to this, what he wanted to do with serious subject matter, some lighthearted touches, some tenderhearted moments, some moments where your heart should be wrenched. It just didn't work. It was a bit messy. And the ending section, uh, when we have Chickie's journey through Saigon with Russell Crowe, of course, that's going to have to happen. Because at first you're like, why is Russell Crowe in this? I was like, okay, here we go. Like that whole thing, they just tried too hard to get serious with the words when they should have just shown it. It should have been edited more strongly, show it, move it along, get out of there. We get it. So it's not Good Morning Vietnam. It's not MASH. It's not Full Metal Jacket. It's not Saving Private Ryan. It's confused and too long at about two hours. It, like if they made this essential, just the essentials, it would be an hour and a half and it would be mm. better. Uh, if you're going to watch this, I would say it's because you like Zach Efron and you already have access to Apple TV Plus.
0: Mm. Okay, cool. All right.
2: <laughs> I was thinking that this was going to give me uh, Argo vibes, but I guess not.
1: No. See, and, and it could, you could go that way. Great question. You could go that way with, you know, okay. Or if you're going to do comedy, it's got to be funny and make mm. sense. mm mm-hmm. It was just confused. Mm-hmm. Again, there were a couple of moments when you go, oh, there it is, but they didn't know it.
0: Got
2: it. Okay, all right. Well, we tried. Next category, movie first looks.
1: Um you tried. <laughs> <laughs> you tried to save them. <laughs> uh, with the little bow on the bag. You tried
2: it. <laughs> you know, someone's got to keep the balance in these while I watch that street? Um <laughs> Next category up for uh grabs is uh movie first looks and we're gonna kick that off with Netflix's Lou. Who's in this? What is it about? And I don't have a funky story to potentially no. run with this time. The
1: only case. thing that comes to my mind, producer, is uh Lupe Fiasco with his song Dumb It Down when they oh. when they keep calling him Lou. That's the only thing that comes to me, which is a great song. It is a great song.
0: <laughs>
1: the ending of that song is one of the best in history. And I just have to say, Lupe, thank you for that. <laughs> what, the, what is wrong with you? i can not get on song with you. <laughs> yes, let me, let me be responsible. Thank you, producer. So this is directed by Anna Forster. It's written by Maggie Cohn and Jack Stanley. It stars Allison Janney, Journey Smollett. And Logan Marshall Green. So Allison plays Lou. Lou is a curmudgeonly woman who lives with her dog out in like a cabin or wherever she is. And she's renting, you know, some other space on her property to Journey's character. And uh, Journey's character has a young daughter. And journey, Journey's character's name is Hannah. So, you know, Lou doesn't care about the daughter or, or Hannah or anything else. But we do see that Lou can take care of herself in all senses. She can hunt. She hunts something and drags it, blood and all across the grass. I was like, that poor grass. It was so pristine and wonderful. And then you go ruining it. Her mm-hmm. dog enjoys eating blood and, you know, raw meat. So that was nice to see. But Lou has a plan in place. It's not a good one. It's a plan that requires her to put up, you know, like trash bags for splatter. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And she has plans on what to lead certain people, but to whom, and so on. Okay. Now, one night, the rains start to come. It's a lot of rain. Power goes out. Hannah rushes out to try to get the power on. Of course, she leaves her young daughter inside, you know, tells her, stay in here. I'm going to go, you know, see what I can do about this. Now, the power breaker right on her lodging doesn't work. She has to go even further out to, like, you know, the electricity pole or something and try to switch it there. And while she's out, somebody enters her dwelling. Who is this person or persons? What's going on? Her daughter is scared. Of course, the daughter yells out for mom. It ain't mom. So the daughter decides to hide. But hiding is not going to save her. She is abducted. Why? What is going on? And because of this, this abduction, of course, Hannah is out of sorts. And who does she go to? Well, she doesn't want to go to Lou. I mean, that's the last person. She wants to call the cops, but you can't. You know, this whole storm is going on. Oh my gosh. She has to go to Lou. And she interrupts Lou doing something. Now, Lou hears what's happening and says, okay, essentially, I got to track this person. How is Lou able to track? Why is Lou so clear on what she needs to do? What's happening? Now, Lou tells Hannah, you stay here, wait for the cops, you know, if you can reach them, so on. Is Hannah going to listen to that? Now, Lou tells her, okay, you can follow me and the dog, but if, you know, you slow me down, I'm leaving you. So they are on the track of this person who stole Hannah's daughter. Now we know who did it because this person left behind some pictures and some postcards you get throughout this movie with messages on them. It's just like who is doing this stuff? And essentially he says, Hi, Mom. Now it's my turn.
0: What? Hmm.
1: So what we come to realize and what Lou knows and what Lou uh, finds out from Hannah essentially is this is Hannah's ex-husband, who was a Green Beret and who is mentally unstable, has committed crimes, is a dangerous person. He's gotten the daughter. Uh-oh. So, of course, they're going to meet up. What's going to happen when they do? Why did he take his daughter? What does his daughter think of him? Because daughter, the whole time, early on in the movie, is like, when's daddy coming back? So and then, so forth. But Hannah thought that daddy was dead. Hmm. Now you might be thinking, wait, you don't spoil on why watch that. Why are you giving this away? I'm not giving anything away. So you'll see in the end what all of the reveals are. There are multiple ones, one after the other after the other. And of course, Lou can fight in this whole kind of thing because you're like, who is she? Is she an assassin? What is going on here? Now... Alison Janney understands her character. Of course, it's Alison Janney. Very clear characterization. Straightforward. Got it. When it comes to Journey, I don't think she quite understood her character. Because Journey is always assured as an actor. That's not this woman. <laughs> her daughter was just kidnapped by a mentally unstable husband who was a green beret. Like, she's even telling Lou you don't understand. He does things. He'll trick us like all of this kind of stuff. So if you're in that situation as the mother of a young daughter who was just kidnapped by that kind of husband who was supposed to be dead, how would you approach this? She's just a bit too short. She's a motive, but it's not about emotion. It needs to be grounded in my daughter was just taken by Satan himself and I have to get her back. I got to do it. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Wait. It's that kind of thing which like, because her reaction to it informs us on him. The more she's on edge about it, the more we know how dangerous he actually is. But if it's pretending to be on edge, but really I'm okay, it's not really going to work here.
0: You,
1: you need to be a bit more broken in this. You have to be at a complete loss. It's got to be, I've got to get my daughter back but i don't know what to do. So the sole motivating voice is that i just didn't quite buy it. Now, lots of people are saying this is a taken rip off. That's apt. I mean, obviously it is. Uh but i'll say it this way. Watch this if you want to see Allison Janney do her version of Jeff Bridges in uh The Old Man. But it's in a movie That just wants to elicit audience reactions by any means possible. And a movie that isn't too interested in painting a believable picture. Now, when I talk about believable, I don't mean believable like in the real world. I mean, I base it on what I see on the screen. What you've written, that's what I'm talking about. So the story and the characterizations, do they make sense together as presented? No. Like, you can be entertaining and have an internal logic. It is possible. And as I was mentioning before I hinted at it, it really loses it at the end with all of these reveals. I mean, my goodness. So there you go.
0: Mm.
2: All right. Memory. Next up, first look brought to us by uh, Prime Video. It uh, was originally released in theaters on April 29th. Um, So, critic, who's in this? What is it about? and who should be watching.
1: Yeah, and it's not Barbara Streisand or anything like that, producer, calm down. Yeah,
2: because that's what I think.
1: No, we're not lighting the corners of anybody's mind. No. No, (laughs) Gladys Knight will not sing that to us, okay? No. So, speaking of Liam Neeson, this is a Liam Neeson movie. Here we go. Look at that. Now, this Liam Neeson movie is directed by Martin Campbell, with a screenplay by Dario Scardapane. And it's based on something that I'm not going to get into. It's not even worth it. Now, along with Liam is Guy Pearce, Monica Bellucci, uh, and others in this movie. (laughs) So Liam Neeson, you know he's an assassin because that's all he does nowadays. The issue is the title, Memory. He's losing it. He has some form of dementia sounds interesting it's like okay an assassin who could at any moment forget where he is why he's there how does he remind himself is that going to pose a problem and he's not a good guy he knows that himself but he does have a code no kids he will not kill children anyone else fine so monica bellucci plays like this crime boss person who employs him In this convoluted way, and something happens where he's sent to kill a child, he refuses, and then he starts saying, Wait, no, I'm going to kill all of you who sent me to kill this child.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, Guy Pierce is one of the law enforcement agents who is on the prowl. Is Guy Pierce going after Liam Neeson, after eventually Monica Bellucci, after all kinds of people, everybody? Well, Liam Neeson kind of tells him, Look, um. You're too slow. I'm doing your job for you. This is what you need to be doing. So, is this an awkward partnership? Is it going to be something where Liam can get away with it in the end? And what are all of the hoops and hurdles they have to jump through and go over and all of the different connections of all of these kinds of people who are involved? Because the girl that he was sent to kill was being trafficked by her own father. Okay, why? Is she resentful of that? Who are all of the people
0: involved? Do I don't really need to go any further? If you just stick with the title, it will be okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Just explore Liam Neeson as an assassin who has memory issues. That is enough. But that Wow. It's like the 10th focus of this movie. Like, they have so much stuff going on. It's like, can we get back to that? They don't even use it. They don't explore it enough. Like, you start getting into the beginning, you go, oh, I see where this is going. No, you don't see where this is going. <laughs> My goodness. I'm like, what is wrong with these people?
0: <laughs>
1: they come back to it in the end and all of that. It wasn't enough. Like, and then, and then, like, he does stuff that doesn't quite make sense. Like, mm-hmm. you'd have to really play up him losing memory for some of the stuff to work.
0: I, mm-hmm.
1: No. I mean, my goodness. Like, mm-hmm. and one of his lines, like his code, you know, don't kill children, he literally says, I've done crazy things, but you don't hurt children. <laughs> 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 now, there's a reason built into that for his background, but it was just like, was so crazy. You know what, producer, somebody did this. They were watching Narcos Mexico. They thought about No Country for Old Men and Taken and got inspired. That's mm. what happened here. He literally, by the way, lights himself <laughs> on fire in one of the scenes. I mean, it's this, this kind of movie. It's hilarious. So you have responsible actors with a hack script and what you get is unintentional comedy. There you go. If you want it, it's there for you. <laughs> All right. That's okay. You don't hurt children.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, that Anybody else good. is fine.
1: They could be innocent. I don't care. Not
0: children. Oh oh my goodness. All right. um, Next on the list,
2: (laughs) Blondie, um, brought to us by uh, Netflix. And this is a fictional version of the life of Marilyn Monroe, Mr. Mr. President,
0: right?
1: Yes. No, we don't get that scene in this uh, movie. We do get her with the president, though. It ain't Mm -hmm. nothing like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Ain't no
1: happy birthday going on. No happy happy nothing. In this movie, my goodness. And it is based on a novel of the same name by Joyce Carol Oates. Mm -hmm. And I think it like um, a TV series of this as well, of this book. So as you said, producer, let's hammer it in. This is not the true story of Marilyn Monroe. It is Mm -hmm. not a biography, a biopic, nothing. It is a fictionalized account of what could have happened to Marilyn. Be very careful with that. Okay. Fictionalized account with people she actually knew and situations she was actually in, but you can't trust anything you're seeing. Now it's up to you to determine whether that is responsible filmmaking or not i don't get into stuff like that i take what's on the screen you can go look at all the other critics who are hashing this out talking about whether this is further exploiting marilyn monroe or not let them have at that now it starts in the 30s when marilyn's really young and before she became marilyn her real name is norma jean and she's with her mother uh by the way who is played by Julianne Nicholson. I mean, this cast is great. And let me go through who these people are, because I haven't. It's directed by Andrew Dominic, who also wrote the screenplay, starring Ana de Armas as uh, Marilyn, Adrian Brody, Bobby Cannavale is in it, and a bunch of other people. So again, she's there with her mom, played by Julianne. She's like seven or so in the 30s. And things seem to be going okay, but her mother shows her a picture of her father. Is that her father? And her father's going to come back at some point. Marilyn hopes or Norma Jean hopes. Is that true? Now, before we go too far, mama has like a psychotic break and Marilyn is taken away. The neighbors take care of her and send her, you know, to be in foster homes and an orphanage and so on. So we know it's a hard upbringing here. She eventually becomes an actor and her first job, the way she gets it is um, casting couch. Mm. Now, that wasn't what she was expecting. Mm -hmm. So she goes through that ordeal, gets the job, bewildered. And we track her career, especially through Really, she's has this longing for her father the whole time. And does she encounter father figures? So mm-hmm. mom essentially left her, dad left her. She's now trying to fill the void. She mm-hmm. has all of these different romantic relationships that all turn sour. I mean, there she's, it starts with a, a, a threesome she's involved in with Charlie Chaplin's son, Jr., And uh, Andrew, or Edward, I should say, sorry, Edward G. Robinson's son. He's also a junior. So they are two pieces of work. At first, I was like, are they twins? Like, it's not that they're identical, but they are similar. So that led to trouble for her. And then, of course, she has her two marriages, one to Joe DiMaggio, played by um, Bobby Cannavale. And the other, she married, of course, Arthur Miller, the great playwright, played by Adrian Brody. Also, we have, of course, the president at the end of this movie. So you're tracking all of this just shameful history. And the whole time, she just it just doesn't dawn on her. She's like a caged bird. I mean, she has lines like, please, won't you listen? My mind's my own to change. No, they won't listen. See, that's the thing. <laughs> I am happy. I've been happy all my life have you? Like, is that, <laughs> this is the kind of thing she's saying, but I have to work, it's my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you, we lead up to like um, some like it hot, that movie, and you see some of what was going on fictionalized because that was trouble. You see how, you know, she got involved with pills and mm. I don't need to go any further into this. now. <laughs> um, stylistically it brought tree of life to mind mm. for me pretty much, where you get snapshots of memories mm-hmm. that kind of thing the moments here are elongated and they have an empty desperation that's what I would call it so you really got to buckle in now Anna as Marilyn is tirelessly and innocently seeking something at all times and it's in a sad yet antiseptic film. Now, the cast surrounding her is capable and deliberately deliberately chosen as well. For Anna, with that tirelessness, that innocence, searching, and that's the kind of acting I like because some people think acting is about emoting. It is not. Emotions are the result of going after something. As an actor, you look at the script, you go, what does this character want? I need to go get it. Whatever comes of that. Is great and Anna epitomizes that playing Marilyn. Is she the perfect Marilyn Monroe? No, she's right. There's a different thing, and right is what this movie needed. She's the right fit as Marilyn here. Like it, I mean, she was on the whole time, Mm. and this is a long movie. Mm. How long? Like over two and a half hours.
0: Well, whoa, okay.
1: Goodness. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So imagine all the work she put in. Mm -hmm. And she talked about her collaboration with the director, Andrew. You know, this was a true collaboration for the two of them. Mm -hmm. She put a lot into this. Supposedly, if this is correct, spent a year trying to master Marilyn's speech, you know, because Anna's Cuban. So that whole thing, a lot. I mean, a lot. This is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look. And and more about the style so you can understand it. Unless there's music going on, you can actually hear the unnatural silence in the background. It's pristine on purpose, too pristine. It's like a horror film that's pristine and clean without the jump scares or the um, characteristic music. Mm-hmm. And when it goes, because it does go from black and white to color and back and forth again, it does register, but not with a shock. Like, it's very smooth. There's an unnerving ease to it all. Even as the camera closes in on objects and faces and bodies, and even as the aspect ratio changes. So it is a lot going on, but it's very smooth, which is the unsettling part of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Like,
1: you're pummeled really softly with the same kind of thing in this story over and over again. Because Marilyn here is trapped, yet invisible. Mm -hmm. Or invisible, I should say. And we're tracked with her. She's swallowed whole, and again, in search of something that she's not going to find. So, is this for most people? No. This is uh, like a film festival kind of movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what it is. It's a deceptively draining experience, again, for almost two and a half hours. And that's probably exactly what they intended. So, there you go.
2: Mm, got it. <clears throat> All right. Well, next up on the list is coffee, um, because if you drained after that, um, <laughs> after that review, it'll help you perk back up. But also, if you guys noticed in our first look series, every title was only one word. And so I thought to introduce the buy me a coffee opportunity to support the show coffee seemed appropriate. All right, guys, now let's get back to business. What is buy me a coffee? I just said a bunch of words. What is she talking about? Right? So, buy
0: me a (laughs) a coffee.
2: is the opportunity for you to support the work here that we do at Why Watch That. Now, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Why Watch That allows you to Donate as little as $5 to our work or purchase our virtual TV tracker guide. So visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to show your support. Another way you can show your support to our show is like, subscribe, comment. So if you're listening to if you've gotten this far in the show, you can like it. I mean, come on. You like it. Just hit the button. And if you want to know when new stuff comes out, subscribe. There's a bell or something, I think. All
1: right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, after Lou and Memory and Blonde, you will need more than coffee. <laughs> okay, we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna say exactly what that may be, but No, I didn't say that.
2: <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> In lots of states it's available. Um so T V season premieres is up next and Abbott Elementary is coming back for season two on ABC. So what did you think about the uh the start? of the second season of Abbott Elementary?
1: Well, you know, it is the start of the new school year and all of our favorite teachers and principal, they're mm-hmm. all back, of course. Um, now Quintus character, the creator of the show, Janine, she's left her boyfriend. How did that go for her? How does that go for him? So she has the car all to herself, but can she find any parking? Because when she enters, This is when the teachers go for development week before the kids come back. It's the beginning of that. And the principal has something planned in the parking lot that, hey, you know, you might not be able to park. This is more important. Thank you. Moving along, Janine. And a particular mascot from the area, this is Philly, is about to come in. Who's the one who planned for this mascot to show up? And is the mascot coming to the right place at the right time? you'll see what that means. So we see them go through development week, and we see the saga of Janine and her car, which ends on a not so good note. And we also see when it comes to Tyler James Williams' character, remember he was um, a sub in season one. Well, now he's a full-time teacher. So Gregory is back, he's full-time, and he's taking the job very seriously, maybe too seriously. And he might need a little bit of help from Cheryl Lee Ralph. As a veteran teacher, she might need to come in and say, are you sure you can get all of that done? Yeah, you know, hey, look, our overlords in the government might want us to cover all of this curriculum. It's not going to happen. You need to figure out how to prioritize. So you'll see what happens with that. And that's just setting up the incoming school year. The principal's still crazy. Everybody else is still in place. But those were the two major things going on in the first episode of this second season. Uh, If you liked the first season, would you continue? Yeah, I mean, hello, of course. Mm. Is it still the same show? Yeah. So it wasn't like they started season two and you went, oh, what's happening? They lost it. They didn't. The only thing I would say is when they go to praising teachers, keep it light. Because there was a moment between Cheryl and Tyler, Rob's like, "Ooh, let's pull it back." Uh, but that's a minor gripe. Mm-hmm. Abbott Elementary is just a good comedy. That's what it is. Cool. Yeah. All right, that's solid.
2: Um, so now solid we're talking. Solid as a rock. <laughs> yes, <laughs> good old solid as a rock. TV series premieres are up next. Um, and ABC. Is bringing us something called The Rookie. It's a spinoff. It's The Rookie Feds, which is a spinoff of um The Rookie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> ABC loves to do that. You don't say.
0: So, uh, what did you think about?
2: What did you think about The Rookie Feds,
0: critic? Have you seen The Rookie? No.
1: This is the kind of show you could watch, though. It is. It really
0: is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you could definitely watch it. So this, uh, like you said, is the spinoff. And they did like a backdoor pilot kind of thing in The Rookie itself. I ain't watched that stuff, and I'm not gonna. Mm -hmm. So I just started watching this. And this is the kind of show when I put it on my list, and I go, it's not going to stay. I'm not going to review this because I won't have much to say. But here it is. Look at that. So Niecy Nash. Oh, stars in this. And Nisi plays like the oldest rookie in FBI history or whatever. Because the rookie is about the LAPD. This is the FBI. So she's the oldest, but she, you know, she's really out of the box. She can be a problem to wrangle. Mm. So she comes in expecting to be on a particular uh, new group that's created in the FBI. Now, this group is essentially an instant response team which is antithetical to what the FBI is all about. So they're more like cops. Mm -hmm. And the person who creates this, he is skating on thin ice because the boss, she's like, I don't want this team in the FBI at all. So if you make any mistakes, it's gone.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now she might have a way of ensuring that mistakes happen.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Is there a mole Mm -hmm. on the team?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so Nisi and uh Kevin Zegers uh, character they are both rookies and Kevin's character is a former actor so like you know he comes in as an FBI agent and everybody's looking at him like hey you're that guy from you know that vampire Mm -hmm. sucks thing whatever the show was he was in it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. so they both come in but they are actually good
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but Nisi's not on this team she goes to the team leader. I thought I was supposed to be because she did something in the rookie that essentially would lead her to being on this team. She mm-hmm. helped him crack a case.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But he's like, excuse me, I can't have you on this team. I wish I could. But you'll derail the whole thing. You're the opposite of low profile. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, she ends up on this team. I'm know this is going to happen. Yeah. They send her to background checks, producer. That's where she sent. She shows up late. Of course, the guy there is like, "I don't care, you're late." And then she looks at them as like, "Hey, you know what? I'll tell you who all the fishy people are. I can just tell by looking." You know how she knows, producer? You um, know what her secret power is? What? She's a guidance counselor. Okay. Like, okay, this is hilarious. <laughs> like, there's one line where she literally says, "I belong to a national network of guidance counselors." <laughs> <laughs> this is how we're gonna crack
2: the case. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness so there you go you get to see how this team operates there are others you know there's somebody who's going to train her fellow rookie they always have that because there's like this 18 month probation period where they need right. someone to shadow and then there's a guy who's eventually going to train her reluctantly you know my only issue was every now and then she would talk about how she's a black woman and you know you got to be twice as good like why is that in the show now I will Come give them down. credit and because the guy training her is also black, he kind of throws it in her face. Mm. And she's like, oh, you're going to be one of those black people where you get another black person, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. And he was like, uh, let me tell you something else. I was OK with that, but it was just out of place. This is crazy stuff. Like, stop it. So think about it this way, everybody. It's Niecy Nash as a rookie fed in a procedural basking in the glow of L.A. gloss. That's where we are. Mm -hmm. it's completely ridiculous and unbelievable. But I do say it's sort of fun if the sound of that combo makes you chuckle. Mm
0: -hmm. That's what
1: I would say about that. Mm -hmm. So do you have to have watched The Rookie? No. I mean, I saw like the first two episodes of The Rookie. I'm not going back. Mm -hmm. It's not much to follow. Just get in. You'll figure out what you missed and Mm -hmm. move on with life. So this is a great background show for the producer.
0: Okay. All right. It sounds interesting.
1: It's something. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you. I mean, look. And these least snatch will give you those turns at the end, you know, oh, yeah. when you go to commercial yeah. break. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's hilarious. All right. Cool. All right. <laughs> last but not it's least. Side is counselor. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, was. oh, my goodness. All right. So <laughs> last but not least on our TV series premieres, we have our Andor, which is brought to us by Disney Plus. This is, this is a, um, a Rogue yeah, One. <laughs> <It's>
0: Disney Plus. <laughs> That's a prequel
2: for Rogue One. <laughs> oh my god. So what did you think of the first, uh, two episodes of the season?
1: It's actually first three there. Okay. Um, well. So like you said, this is a prequel of Rogue One the movie. Of the Star Wars films, and hold on to your hats and your, your jackets and everything else, because of the Star Wars movies, I'd put Rogue One second on my list, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would. I liked it that much. Look, the, it, look. all I needed was that Darth Vader sequence, mowing people down. That's enough. Like, That's one of the greatest moments in movie history. I don't care what you say. Okay. I believe. So I was ready for this show um now in the show diego luna's coming back from the movie and it's focused on his character and his character is on the search for his younger sister who he left behind a long time ago now we do have a flashback kind of thing where they go back to when he was a kid with her what happened that separated them and it takes the first three episodes to get the full arc of that story did it need to take that long probably not but okay So, in present time in this show, of course, he's grown up. He's looking for her. He starts at a bar that has people who solicit. I put it that way. Was she one of the people getting these solicitations? Mm -hmm. But she's not there, of course. Where is she? He doesn't know. Now, while he was in this bar, there were two guys there who didn't like the cut of his jib. And these guys were a part of the empire. Okay. So they have some sort of like coply duties, I would say. So they follow him out of this bar, what happens as a result. Now, because of this, this incident comes to the attention of the empire itself. The man in charge of investigating is kind of like, you know, this is one of these off-world things that happens, and we need to just move on. Like, these guys are probably up to no go good. Actually, he what he describes, what he thinks happens is exactly what happens. Yeah. Like, it was kind of funny. But he has an underling who doesn't want to listen. So he, this underling was told to drop it. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. So they're on the search for this person who was in the fight with these cops. Do they know who this person is? No, but will they find out? Now, Diego's character has an interesting background. He comes from a particular place that most people have never heard about. So it might be hard to find him. And he ends up on a different planet uh, with a friend. And this friend starts to complicate his life. Now, Adria Arjona plays the friend. And she has like this boyfriend of somebody who's very protective. He doesn't like Diego being friends with Adria, that kind of thing. Is he going to pose a problem? Also, she connects Diego with a character uh, played by somebody very important. And that is uh, Stellan Skarsgård. So Stellan Skarsgård comes in and has to rescue Diego that's what's going to happen why did he come in there's something Diego has that he wants or is it more than that so you can see they're hunting for Diego can he get away also he's going to join this other faction that Stellan represents will he be trained to become something that he was in Rogue One the movie I guess so as a review when it comes to the look of Andor, I was thinking early on, producer, it's like a Star Wars version of Blade Runner, mm. where you get those muted colors, like that kind of futuristic look, and then it shifts almost like a Star Wars version of Wally, hmm. where he's on that junk planet, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's somewhere between uh, crossing the Middle East and Wally, is what I would say, mm-hmm. on that other planet. And I was just thinking it was so nice to see a different planet, different places other than Tatooine. If I see Tatooine one more time in these Star Wars shows, I don't know what I'm going to do. Glad it wasn't here. Thank you very much. Now, at the opening, I was kind of like, hmm, this might be good. (laughs) Like, uh, because since The Mandalorian, we've had some struggles. Mm. Uh, Boba Fett started well and then it turned into Power Rangers we won't even I know all the fans calm down I know we will stay calm on that and move forward Mm. okay Uh, that Obi-Wan Kenobi mess complete mess Mm. so it hasn't been going so well so I was on my guard here and I won't even get into the other Disney plus stuff that they've been doing like the Marvel shows that are just a complete farce Mm. So I was like, let me keep watching. First episode I thought was a great introduction. Wow. People were saying things that made sense. They were clear characterizations. I understood what the plot was supposed to be. I didn't have to worry about any other political stuff outside of the show. It was wonderful. What a way to tell a story. Uh, The second episode was kind of filler. And then the third episode, you get this payoff with Stellan coming in and and so on. And are they going to capture him? So I thought it was a successful first three episodes overall. I like especially producer the weight of it. Mm. That's what I really that's what kept me going through even episode 2, the weight of it. They're taking it serious, which is nice to see. I just hope they continue this. Do I trust that they will? No. But mm. I will say that it is created by Tony Gilroy cuz after the first episode I didn't look up who was involved. I was like mm. who is who is doing this? Mm -hmm. and I was like oh yes Tony Gilroy created it of course like Tony Gilroy wrote Michael Clayton directed that as well he did uh, co-write Rogue One itself so it's in good hands if they don't get in the way Mm -hmm. Uh, they may not get in the way because it's a first season but if it succeeds and it continues they might get in the way then So there you go all also, right. but look at that. Who look knew, at that Who knew that it was possible to just tell a good story And just let that speak for itself
2: Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating
0: mm-hmm.
2: And I, 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 Even more so I think this is two weeks in a row Where we actually end On a positive note So guys thanks again For joining us For the Why I Watch That journey Until next time
1: Thanks for joining us For up-to-date info, and to share what's on your watch list, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Why Watch That, and on Twitter at WWTRadio. Also, you can visit us at WhyWatchThat.com. And while you're at it, don't forget to go ahead and rate Why Watch That Radio on iTunes. Let's keep the conversation going.